Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Some of you responded, that's great. Uh, welcome to uh, this morning's 22-2 uh, service here at Crowhurst Christian Healing Centre. I'm David, one of the chaplains. And a big welcome to you, those of you in the chapel. And uh, every Thursday, we welcome those joining online. So a big welcome to you, too. And uh, when I think of uh, uh, folks joining us uh, online, I think of the, the verses from Hebrews, which says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us run with perseverance the, the, the race of faith and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses today, and uh, we just want to meet with the Lord. When, we say, when I say let us fix our eyes on the Lord, uh, my glasses, I had uh, very focal glasses that helped me to see long distance, snapped about an hour ago. And uh, so all I've got is the ones I can see close up. So you guys are a blur. And uh, you're looking wonderfully beautiful. <laughs> so let's just pray and welcome the Lord's presence, his grace uh, with us. Lord, we thank you that you are indeed on the throne. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And uh, we want to fix our eyes on you. And so we simply say, may your will be done. May your kingdom come amongst us as we take out this short time, Lord, to, to indeed fix our eyes on you. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit, amongst us today. Amen. Amen. And so uh, often we, we finish our service with the time of uh, intercession, and I feel we should instead begin with the time of bringing uh, some situations uh, uh, to the Lord. And uh, I'd, I'd like to, to begin uh, with this because the refrain that we all, all can say together is Christ is coming to make all things new. So it's not just asking for things, it's a declaration and that's the truth. That's what the Bible says. Christ is coming to make all things new. Despite all the difficulties and problems and trials and tribulations of this world, Christ is coming to make all things new. The folks we are concerned about and love and uh, just long that they would know God's grace and mercy. Well, God, we can proclaim Christ is coming to make all things new, indeed over our lives too. So shall we do that? Shall we proclaim as we're praying and interceding for various uh, situations and people. Let us say that refrain together. Christ is coming to make all things new. So I'll say the first part and then do respond with faith. So Lord, as we intercede among the poor, among the proud, among the persecuted, among the privileged, Christ is coming to make all things new. In the private house, in the public place, in the wedding feast, in the judgment hall, Christ is coming to make all things new. With a gentle touch, with an angry word because of the injustice, with a clear conscience, with burning love, Christ is coming to make all things new. That the kingdom might come, that the world might believe, that the powerful might stumble, that the hidden might be seen, Christ is coming to make all things new. Within us, without us, behind us, before us, in this place, wherever we're joining in online, in every place, for this time, for all time, Christ is coming to make all things new. And so just a moment to bring our intercessions, something perhaps or a person that's on our heart. Firstly, we want to pray for our world as Folks meet in Glasgow, seeking to find a solution for the climate changes on our earth. Lord, we bring that to you and those deliberations to you. 
and our earth that you have given us to you. And we say together, Christ is coming to make all things new. And finally, maybe there's someone on your heart you want to declare this over. This truth that Christ is coming to make all things new. We have an intercessions list and there's many people have asked for prayer over the last 24 hours and indeed in this book. And there are too many to, to nominate, but we bring each one before you, Lord, each individual who needs your touch today. And maybe in your heart you'd like to bring someone who you are concerned for and you want to bring before the Lord. sees and hears the cry of your heart. So all these dear people, Lord, that are on our hearts, needing you, we declare, Christ is coming to make all things new. So be it, Lord, in the lives of these dear folks. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so with that declaration of faith, let us worship the Lord. He is indeed on the throne. And Psalm 95 says, <coughs> excuse me, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise, for he, he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So that's the call to worship. Shall we worship him together here and wherever we are this morning? And we're going to sing a hymn. It's Christ the Lord is risen today. It's, a, it's an Easter hymn, but I don't think this is just for Easter because Christ has risen and the impact of what he has done uh, reverberates throughout history. And that includes today, the eternal now. Christ has risen and uh, he ministers his grace. He is the glorious King of kings and Lord of lords of this universe. So shall we sing today, uh, sing this uh, song, this hymn, and let's open our hearts to worship him. Christ the Lord is risen.
Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so let's uh, sing praises to the Lord's name, praises to his name, for he is great and greatly to be praised. Let's lift up our hearts to him. Just while the music plays gently, uh, let's praise the Lord. What do you want to praise Him for this morning? Just maybe a simple phrase, declare, I praise you because. How do you want to fill that phrase? How do you want to fill this room, this place, with praises that we would be pleasing to the Lord? Feel free to call out your praise.
So we come, Lord, and we bow down in our hearts before your throne. We say that you are Lord. All these praises, Lord, of praising you for forgiveness and mercy and promises and the robe of righteousness you give us. So much more. We bow down and confess that you are Lord. He is indeed Lord, and we're going to read a passage where it speaks, and uh, it has spoken to me very powerfully of He being Lord, even in not in very trying circumstances. And I just believe the Lord wants to speak to us, to His people, this morning. So, Lord, would you give us ears to hear what you would say? 
please encourage your people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know if uh, any of you are, have been following or reading the, um, the lectionary, the CV lectionary. There's different threads uh, I've been reading, uh, especially of late, uh, just these last few days, frankly, the book of Daniel. I've been very encouraged uh, by it. And um, obviously, we, we know some of the stories from Sunday school, you know, the lions and the, the fiery furnace and all this kind of thing. But it really speaks into our situation. These were, when Daniel's times, they were times of great upheaval, as indeed we are going through, times of great upheaval. And it's probably even on a more extreme level what had happened. There was, uh, there had been an invasion by a mighty people, the Babylonians, who were ruthless. Can you imagine that? You know, we, we have a shaking in our world, in our land, but this is a powerful and ruthless empire coming in and they invaded uh, Israel and Judah uh, three times, apparently, in, in history. And just progressive destruction of the land, of the, the temple and, and, and Jerusalem itself eventually and deporting more and more people from there. Just what an upheaval in the land. And uh, Daniel was one of those. And what was he? He was just a teenager. He would have been a teenager, and he would have had to, there's no kind of freight trains, or they didn't put them on nice aeroplanes and give them a meal every whatever. Um, you know, this was a thousand mile march in the heat to Babylon, which is uh, in modern day Iraq. And uh, so from Daniel and all his friends and others that had just been snatched and taken and force marched, and I'm sure they didn't leave any prisoners if anyone stumbled and, and brought there and brought to, to Babylon, you know, this mesmerizing city, the famous city of the Hanging Gardens. I wonder what that would have been like. But then temples are everywhere to foreign gods, Marduk and, and other ones, uh, and Ishtar. And these were kind of fertility gods where there would have been temple prostitution. And the main god was called Marduk. And he was a violent war god. And uh, in the ba Babylonian mythology, uh, Marduk slaughtered an, another goddess, and out of the entrails of this other goddess, they, um, he made the earth, according to the Babylonians, the earth and the heavens. And then Marduk killed her son, and out of that made people. And out of the, the blood of this other god, uh, we, people were made, and they were considered to be laborers of the gods. So, and then lots of kind of superstition and, and worshipping of the moon and the sun and everything. So can, can you imagine just Daniel, this poor teenager, ripped from his land and brought there with this ruthless people who treated people of no value, just ruthless, laborers of the gods and of the elites, and that was it. Absolutely no value, just at the mercy of whatever. And obviously our culture is not quite like that, but sometimes we might feel we're in, a, in, a, in an alien culture as our culture more and more destroys the foundations of Christianity. And we feel more and more like that, I, I would imagine, and we do, don't we, like an exile in, in this land. There's lots of resonance to it. But the book of Daniel is about God's faithfulness in times of great upheaval and encouragement for those to be radically faithful, whatever the circumstances. It's, it's really a challenging and yet encouraging so I'm going to read just the first chapter and just trust the Lord uh, speaks to our hearts through it. So it's Daniel chapter 1. And in the third year of the reign of Je Jehoiakim, king of Judah, so he was the last king of Judah before it was really it shut down. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, this ruthless king, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. This is Marduk and others in the pantheon of the Babylonian mythology. And then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without physical defect, handsome, 
not unlike myself. No, sorry. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I heard an amen there. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. And the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. And among them were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief officials gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Very brave step, could have been executed just for that. And now God had caused, however, the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times. You hear that? Ten times, many times. Ten is symbolic of completeness. <clears throat> he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters. These are the people he had to mix with and deal with and walk amongst in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So it's quite a chapter, really. Uh, forgive the slightly longer <clears throat> uh, reading today, but I just feel it is so powerful. And there's just a few points I want to bring out from it. And the first one really is in verse 2, and it says, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, difficult to say, king of Judah, into his hand. So at the, the sense is really, the Lord let the king fall into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. He let him. He allowed it. Yes, he gave it, but he allowed it. He let it. And uh, that's the question sometimes we ask ourselves, you know, why did you let this happen? You know, why did you let it happen? It's a cry of our heart sometimes when we go through difficult uh, times. Well, the answer in this, this context is the kings of Israel had repeatedly uh, rebelled against God, turned their backs against the, the only true and living God and worshipped false gods. And uh, the consequences were lots of injustice in the, in the land. And people... Yeah, they make, we make our own choices, don't we? People make their own choices. We're not made as robots. We're made with choices. Everyone's got a choice. And uh, so free will that God gives us is awesome responsibility. And sometimes wrong choices, unfortunately, affect others. And we know that, don't we? we have, we've been hurt by the wrong choices of others, the free will. God hasn't just stepped in, placed his hand. No, you can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. And eventually we're all robots. He gives us free will and a choice. And sometimes, and, and in Israel, it was the cause of all the kings and the, and the ancestors of, uh, of Daniel that had caused this deportation. And, and Daniel himself, he wasn't at fault personally. And that's the thing, really. He wasn't at fault pers personally, but he was affected by the wrong choices of others. And that happens to us, doesn't it? We're affected by the wrong choice of others. 
But I love the name of Daniel. Daniel means God is judge. He will put things right. He will sort out the evil and the sin and the injustice. He will ultimately bring healing. Daniel is judge. I, I love that name. Even when bad things happen to us, there's someone on the throne. There is someone on the throne. We are not to bring our vengeance, says, says the Lord, but trust him. Trust him and just walk with him in a spirit of release and forgiveness. So Daniel was a hostage because of the fault of others. He was a slave. He was entrapped in a situation that he had not personally chosen. And I don't know about you. Sometimes, do you feel sometimes in a situation that you have not personally chosen? I'm sure we get many times, and many of us probably in this moment feel that way. And that is the situation of this lad, Daniel, and his three friends. Trapped, he, felt, he could have felt trapped. He, he was bound in in a situation not of his, choicing, his choice, and even because of the wrong choices of others, the leaders uh, of his uh, nation. But the good news is, brothers and sisters, even when that happens, and that's the lesson of Daniel, and that's what we sang about, Christ is on the throne, and he's coming to make all things new. He is on the throne. And if we come to him, uh, we can even make an impact on our situations, which we would not have chosen. And that is the story of uh, Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar later recognized, if you go on and read uh, Daniel, this king, this ruthless king, in his mouth said, most, the most high God is sovereign over the kingdom of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. And he says, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. Daniel so powerfully influenced this king that on the lips of this king who thought he was a God, now he recognized there's another, there is a true and living God. So the Lord wants us to impact our situation, even when we feel it hasn't, it's not of our choosing. So how, how do we do this? I just there's a few things that really come out from this. And the first point really is, what's in a name? What's in a name? Remember Daniel, that was his name, which means God is judge. Hananiah, what does that mean? That means God, Yahweh, shows grace. Michel, his other friend, who is, who is like unto our God. And Azariah means God helps. What's in a name? What's in a name? These, these are words that proclaimed the identity of these boys. Yeah, identity, who, who we are. Identity defines who we are. And Daniel and his, and his friends had names that reflected who God said that, 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 who God said that he was. Yeah, He's, they belonged to God. God was close to them. There's a God who gives, who, who gives them grace, who leads, who's on the throne. All these names kind of reflect who God is and their identity. And the Babylonians wanted to change their names into different things. Belteshazzar, you know, which, which refers to the god of Babylon, basically, Marduk, the god of war, this ruthless uh, god who, who did not care for people. And the other names, um, uh, Shadrach, command of the moon god. That's, that's what that one means. And uh, Meshach and Abednego, servant of Nabu, who, 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 is, who assigned fates to people. So, so what is, what's then a name? Names are important because they reflect our identity. And if we think we're just valueless, given these names, we're valueless, and, and uh, we're just slaves of, of fate or whatever, well, we're not going to go very far or thrive in that situation. But if we know our identity, who we are in Christ and in God, that's different, isn't it? And I'm sure there's been important people in your life and my life who've spoken into our life, and, and, and they can define it, can't they? What do, what do people say that I am? What have they said that I am? What does our culture around us say that we are? Sometimes the voices in our heads say, who are we? And what do these things, these voices sometimes say, well, you're no good, or you're not good for anything, you've no value, you always make a mistake, you always blow it, I don't know. 
You know, what are the voices that proclaim your identity that, that maybe have been spoken over you or, or, or we just believe and we repeat them? But, what, but the truth is, what does God say? Who does God say that you are? And often they, uh, in this chapter, three times, yeah, the Babylonians try to change the names of these boys, but it's, it's mentioned three times. No, it's Daniel, it's Hananiah, it's Michelle, and it's Azariah, because I know who I am. I know what God has said over me. So are you Daniel or are you Belteshazzar? Are you Hananiah, which means God gives grace? Or are you Shadrach at the command of the moon god? Yeah. And so the Lord wants to speak. He is the most authoritative one. He wants to speak into our lives who we are. And what does he say? Who does he say we are? Never mind all the voices and what people have said over our lives. You are God's child. If you come to faith in Christ, if our sins are forgiven, and we open our lives to you and say we want to follow you, he comes in, his Holy Spirit comes in, and he, we are born again anew, and, and we become his child, and we can know God as, his, as our father, and we are redeemed. And some of the prayers we said in the praises, we are forgiven, we're bought with a price, and we belong to God. And other verses say, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Romans 8, 35. Yeah, nothing can separate you from the love of God, despite what people say or things say or circumstances say, nothing can separate you from the love of God. The good work he has started in you, he will bring it to completion. You know, you're not a good for nothing, valueless thing. God has something so special for you. You are precious in his eyes. You are God's workmanship. Another thing in Ephesians 2 verse 8. You are chosen to bear good fruit. Whatever your circumstance, you are chosen to bear good fruit. You are God's fellow worker, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1. You are called to be God's fellow worker. Therefore, of great value and significance. You are the salt of the, of the earth and light of the world, said Jesus. Yeah, do you feel that? That's what you are, that's what your identity, that's what God speaks over you, despite what everyone else might say. And, and just so, so read what God says about you. You are therefore, I'll take off my glasses, you are beautiful. <laughs> but, but God's got a full, full focus 2020 vision and he knows and he says you are beautiful, you are valuable, you are a pearl of great price and you are precious. So what's in a name? You know, Daniel in this trapped situation, he, he hung on to his name, who he was, who he is in, in God. And that's what, he, that's what God calls us to do. We can thrive even in our difficult situations if we know who we are, what's in a name. And so that comes on to the next point really is, so what are you eating? So what are we eating? I'm not just talking about food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I might be. <laughs> no. Because there was an issue of food in this chapter, wasn't there? You, know, you, you take the choice food from that temple, that table, Nebuchadnezzar's table, the uh, meat and the wine. But that wasn't just simple food. That was meant he was under Nebuchadnezzar's sway. Everything he said and did and received, he was dependent on Nebuchadnezzar. And even though he was a slave, he tried to find a way to receive another kind of food. And he didn't want to be slaved in Nebuchadnezzar's food. And he chose a simple fare of vegetables and water because he, he, he knew his identity. He wanted to stay and, and receive food from God and not from all the culture and what people had said, were saying uh, all uh, around him. And Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not be hungry. What are you eating? What are we eating? Do we come to Jesus for the bread of life? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amazing, yeah. So what are we feeding on? What are we feeding on? Where are we getting our food? From other people, from the media, from our culture. Daniel, we find out, he prayed to the Lord three times a day. He read, he knew God's word, and he fasted too. And he just knew that I, he needed 
God. He wanted to feed off God more than any other thing. He, I don't care even if I go without food. I want to feed off God. That was his heart's desire. And that is why he was able to thrive in a difficult situation. And that sort of encourages me so much. And I think with so many voices around us, the culture as it is, the media that bombards us, and so much criticism constantly around, uh, as soon as you turn on the, the, the television, uh, where are we getting our food and what are we eating? The Lord invites us to his word that builds us up, that encourages us, that speaks our identity over us and speaks to the purposes of God. Where are we getting our food? We know where to get food, don't we? True spiritual food from Jesus, from his word. Let's not forget to feed, otherwise we will shrivel up. We truly will in our spirits, but the Lord invites us to come and eat. What are we eating? And that goes on to, to, to the next point. So how, what happened to Daniel and his friends? In verse 15, it says, they were healthier and better nourished. Uh, one version, the new Revised Standard Version says, they were better and fatter, which is really, <laughs> really down to earth. But uh, the point was, they were therefore filled with something else. And it even exuded in their physical uh, aspects. And that and says they were filled with knowledge and understanding and vision and dreams. And Daniel was able to impact his world around him. And if you look in chapter 2, the, his fellow enchanters and musicians, the circle in which he had to work, um, they risked being hauled off to the death. And because of what he did, he saved their lives. And he was able to advise the kings and influence an evil empire in his trapped situation. In his trapped situation, he had an impact for God. He was able to thrive. Isn't that encouraging? And so Daniel, so finally Daniel was called to, to blossom, as the famous phrase, blossom where he was planted. And as I said, as I've said, it wasn't the place of his choosing. He had rather have been back in Jerusalem with his friends in a safe environment, hauled off to a foreign, evil, ruthless, superstitious uh, place that gave no value to human beings. In that place, because he received his identity from God, because he determined to receive from God his food, he blossomed. Every chapter of Daniel, if you read it, was a crisis which he had to face. And I've got a feeling we're going to go through a lot more crises in our world. But the Bible and God, through these characters and stories, is full of hope. It is not the end. Even in a major crisis, if there's shortages or whatever, whatever, whatever else is going to happen, God is on the throne. And Daniel, because he was faithful to God, he, he said, well, I'm going to just live for you in humble service, radical, no compromising focus and obedience on God. Whether I live or whether I die, God is my rock and my refuge and I trust him to the end. And he was able to be creative in his circumstance. Yeah, remember, he, you have to drink, eat that food. And he said, well, give me 10 days and another kind of food. And so he was creative uh, even within a difficult and harsh environment. He risked, he risked it at times, but he was creative. So he became better, not bitter. And I'm, I just wonder, if he was back in Jerusalem in the comfort of, of royalty and whatever else, we might not have heard about this guy, I don't know. But because of the circumstances, that threw him on the Lord, and it, he resolved to follow and trust him. So even in that place, it was a place for Daniel of healing and of thriving. He was healthier and better nourished. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to say to us. Wherever you are, whatever circumstances you find yourself, perhaps not of your choosing, God is on the throne. And if you trust him, if you receive from him, if you determine to follow him in radical 
uh, obedience and trusting. He will come to you. He will fill your life with the food that others will not see. And you will know God and you will make an impact beyond what you can imagine or think. Because God is a God of newness. He's not in our boxes. He's not in the boxes other people put on us. He is sovereign and on the throne. Amen. Amen. God is a God of newness and possibility. I'm just going to read to conclude. Drop these glasses, I can't see the clock at the back. <laughs> that could have been dangerous. <laughs> but I'm going to conclude with, with a poem that also speaks of newness. Um, it's by uh, Walter Brookman, but it's it's similar to what we've just read. But uh, he, he wrote this poem on the last half of the book of uh, Genesis, which is similar in many ways. Because the God had called uh, you know, Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob, and, and he promised that uh, they would be a, 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 nation, a nation. And yet, you know, Rebecca was, uh, could not have children, Sarah couldn't, and Rachel couldn't. It's like, we come to the end of ourselves sometimes. And then, and then the story of Joseph, he was imprisoned, wasn't he? He was in a place not of his choosing. So it's similar. And I just, just felt God wants to speak a word of newness and possibility. And that's why we sang an Easter hymn to start with, because death is no longer the end. Death could not hold Jesus, and no circumstance can hold him or us if we trust in him. So I just want to read this short poem, which will come up uh, now. And we imagine ourselves self-sufficient, and then we run short, short of time, short of life, short of stamina, and short of newness. And we find our future closed off and at risk, and we, with varying degrees of resolve and determination and panic and despair, find ourselves, surprisingly, back in your presence, waiting instead of acting, receiving instead of making, invited to gratitude instead of success, and so we wait and we receive and we thank because you are the only Lord of the future. You are the one who births at the 11th hour. You are the one who comes to barrenness and makes new. You promise like the stars of a number. Well, we count according to the old maths. And so you are out beyond us and we are staggered, stunned and awed. We did not know you had such futures in you and now we know. We do indeed. Amen. That's what the Lord wants to speak over each one of you today, I believe. So let's just take a few moments, let the Lord, let his Holy Spirit come amongst us, let him speak through the story of Daniel, what is he saying to you personally? Each one of you here, each one of you at home. Holy Spirit. Sovereign Lord, God of new life, new futures and possibilities. We turn to you, Lord. We want to be fed by you. 
We want to hear what you are saying over each one of us. believe the Lord wants to say to to some amongst us I see your deeds and your works and your your many activities and uh, I just want to say I love you and I've seen your faithfulness and I just want to say to you well done my good and my faithful servant. So let us present ourselves to the Lord and invite him to bring his new and refreshing life to us. We're going to sing a song into your hands I commit again. All that I am for you, Lord. You hold my world in the palm of your hand and I am yours forever. Jesus, I believe in you and I belong to you into your hands. again because it's probably quite new for us into your hands
Yes, Lord, we want to say we, we trust you, we believe in you. You hold my world in the palm of your hands. And I trust you and I welcome you, your presence in it. Lord, fill me with good things and help me impact those around me as you would lead. And so, in the prayer of Paul, just to conclude with a, a blessing, may he, out of his glorious riches, with, pow with power through his spirit and your inner being, may Christ dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So may the Lord bless you, fill each one of you with his strength and with his power. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for joining us. Just receive his touch, his strengthening deep within your inner being today. In Jesus' name. Amen.